This is Anna Falcon, and you're listening to the Flip by Her podcast. I'm a teacher, a real estate investor, a business owner, and a mom of three. Join me as I share my journey in hopes to inspire you to live the life you envision. In this space, I'll teach you everything I know about real estate investing, the good, the bad, the in-between, and how do I find success in this male-dominated field. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to my uh, podcast here, my channel, and I'm so excited to be back with you all and teaching you guys things that I know, and I have some questions that um, some of you have written in to ask me, so today's topic is we're going to talk about owner-financed homes and uh, seller financed homes. It's basically when a person owns a property and they're want to sell it, but they want to finance it to you. They want to act as the bank. This type of loan is really good for a lot of people, but uh, that's the topic for today. And uh, I just also want to kind of apologize for my hiatus. I kind of haven't been on here for like two months. And the main reason for that is that I was actually on vacation touring out west in my RV with my family. And I was gone for about seven weeks. Um, I went out to Yellowstone which was a bucket list trip of mine and I've been trying to get to this place uh, Yellowstone National Park for about 10 years and I could never afford to do it and finally uh, this year I said you know I'm gonna do it my mom she had a double mastectomy last year and then she went through radiation and she survived all that mess and they cleared her and she's in much better spirits and my mom has always wanted to travel by RV so this was just the year to do it um and yeah I mean I was out for a very long time but you know why not I'm benefiting from the fruits of my hard labor for the past several years working multiple jobs uh you know teaching at the university teaching for public schools uh doing my landlord investments you know and then flipping my houses and so I've been working really really hard uh, for the last couple years and finally you know I'm going to benefit from it. So anyway I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, real estate has been able to afford me certain levels of freedom that otherwise I don't think that I would have and as a teacher yes I did have summers off but guys as a teacher we don't get paid in the summer so we have summers off but we're not receiving any income during the summer unless we take our paychecks and we ask for a 12-month pay which means that they take our 10-month pay and they make it they stretch it out to get you a paycheck over the summer but it's the same income it's the same earned wages so now i'm back from vacation completely fully rested and right before i left uh, i actually closed on my next flip and so now actually as i speak to you guys i'm just sitting in the car taking a break because i've like knee deep in demo here and so i'm taking a break but i want to answer this question of uh owner financing seller financing homes if you're a seller and you have a house that you want to sell and you want to make a little bit more money perhaps than list, listing it with a realtor and you know putting it on the market um, but you want to act as the bank so you can make a little bit more money when you do that um, basically you're going to list your your house for sale by owner and you're going to indicate that it's uh, owner financing is available so for buyers 
this is a good idea if you're a buyer that doesn't have credits, doesn't meet credit score requirements, doesn't have a good credit score, um, or you're a buyer that maybe your debt to income ratio is too high to qualify for a mortgage, or um, you know, you're a, there's different circumstances that buyers would want to do an owner finance deal as opposed to try to get a loan from the bank. Maybe you're a buyer that you are self-employed and when you're self-employed, the bank usually wants two years of tax returns showing your income and maybe you don't have that. Uh, there, like I said, there's lots of scenarios. There's uh, maybe you're a buyer and um, maybe you don't have a social security number for whatever reason. And, you know, so you can't go to the bank and do like a traditional loan because they want to run your credit. You don't have any credit at all. So most likely they're not going to approve you. Uh, like I said, there's different scenarios. So you're looking for a house that's owner finance. And the caveat with the owner finance home is, is usually the seller, the property owner, in this case, the seller wants to receive a large down payment. Usually it's 10, 15, 20%. I've seen deals as high as 30% down payment. So you, you're going to need a good chunk of cash uh, to put down. But the good part about a deal like this is that every single term is negotiable pretty much, unless of course the seller is dead set on the terms that they want. Um, the interest rates are comparable to what I've seen is that they compare to what the interest rates are with a bank. So I've seen um, owner finance deals. Actually, I've seen deals from 0% interest all the way to 6% interest. Um, I've seen deals where, you know, you can put 5% down, but that house needs a ton of work. I've seen deals where you put 20% down and the house is pretty much turnkey. Um, the mortgage payments, they tend to be on the lower end or also they compare to what a mortgage payment is at the bank. Um, and the seller will finance it to you because the seller knows that they're going to make a little bit more bang for their buck. Um, there's two ways to buy an owner financed home. A lot of you have heard of a rent to own type of contract. That one is the most flexible one. There's another contract called lease option. It's slightly different from rent to own. And then of course, there's just a purchase contract. Uh, it's like a very clear cut purchase contract where it has defined number of years. For example, you have 10 years to pay off the house, 15 years to pay off the house. Some of them will have a balloon payment. Some of them won't. Um, but that one is where you enter into contract with the seller and the seller is financing you the house as a bank. So you're going to give a large uh, down payment on that, whatever the terms were negotiated. You have an interest, uh, you know, they're accruing interest, your loan, just like it will with the bank. And uh, there's that type of contract. So own, which is very popular uh, kind of contract. A rent to own is where you sign a lease agreement. Uh, so you're renting the house for a period of one year, two years, it's, yeah, it's either one or two years that you're renting the house. And then upon your expiration of your lease agreement, so be it one or two years upon the, the expiration of it, then you can say, okay, yes, I want to buy the house. And then the seller would have participated in something called a rent credit. So for example, say your rent was $1,200 a month, maybe the seller will allocate $100 dollars 
of that 1200 as a rent credit. So at the expiration of your lease, when you enter into contract to buy the house, the seller will then put $2,400 if it was a two-year lease. They'll put $2,400 towards the purchase of the house as a rent credit. Not everybody does that, but usually that's a pretty popular thing to do. Um, you want to reward the, you know, the renter as a seller, you want to reward the renter for being there for two years. And then now they want to buy a house. So you're going to do this thing called a rent credit. And that, uh, you know, that's a really popular thing. If they're not offering that, you can always negotiate that. So at the expiration of the lease, you enter into contract to purchase the house outright. And, you know, again, the terms should be fairly negotiable. The seller is either going to finance it to you for 10, 15, 20 or 30 years, or the seller is going to finance it to you for five years or six years. And then they're going to want a balloon payment at the end. So basically what they're doing is that they're buying you time to be able to qualify for a traditional mortgage so that you can then buy the house outright. So usually you're still paying your, um, your payment of, 1200 let's just keep the 1200 example you're paying your payment of 1200 and then if they want a balloon pay that means that at the end of the balloon pay term be it five six ten years whatever it is you have to go to the bank and you have to get an actual loan and you have to buy the house outright what it for whatever the remaining price is okay that's that's one option the next option uh, and during that time, obviously, you are paying interest if that's what they want. The next option is the lease uh, purchase option, which is where you say to the seller, yes, I want to buy your house. And instead of doing a traditional rent, you're already signing a contract saying that within X amount of years, you will buy the house. So you're moving into this house and you're paying mortgage to the owner instead of rent, you're paying mortgage. And um, the same thing, the contract is going to have some balloon pay type of stipulation. And again, it's going to usually is several years. I've seen no less than five years. These these type of contracts are, are pretty flexible. And there's you really need to check the contract. OK, you need to really make sure that the contract has a clause where you can cancel and you can walk away. Now, you're not going to walk away with all your money. OK, but you you are able to walk away. Uh, so make sure you check these contracts and also with the contracts, guys, these deals should be done at an attorney's office. Okay. They shouldn't be done, you know, through Zillow or whatever, like they should be done at an attorney's office with a proper closing just to, you know, cover yourself, but also it's going to cover the seller too. So it's going to cover both of your interests. So sign with a reputable attorney, somebody that you trust, somebody that's going to look out for your best interests. Okay. So there's um, rent to own. And then there's the lease option. Lease option, again, you're doing a large down payment up front. And then at the end of the options contract, you must buy the house. You have to buy the house. That's usually that type of contract. The rent to own contract is the one that would have that flexibility of being able to walk away. Should you not want to buy it? Oh, I don't like living here. I don't like this neighborhood. I don't like, you know, the apartments they're building across the street, whatever the case may be you can walk away from rent to own. For lease option, usually you cannot walk away, but you can negotiate for there to be a cancellation clause. 
And the cancellation clause is probably going to be something like, well, you're going to lose your down payment if you end up canceling because you're going back on your word. So you should be, you know, you should lose your down payment. So then the third option is for you to just buy the house outright with the seller financing. So what this looks like is the seller is the bank. You give the seller the down payment that they want. You agree to whatever your mortgage payment is going to be. You need to know what the taxes are for the house. You need to put insurance, you know, homeowner's insurance on the house and the seller acts as the bank. Very simple, very clear cut. You can't walk away from that contract. The only way that you can walk away from that is if you sell the house back to the seller. So the seller would essentially buy their own house back from you. Okay, that's the third contract. Now, in my experience, I do have owner finance um, deals that I've done. There was a house that I bought for uh, $24,000. And I did, I did nothing to this house. Okay. I got it from a wholesaler. I did absolutely nothing. I didn't even clean it. Um, and then I turned right around and in like within three days or four days, something like that, I sold it to a buyer and where I acted as the bank. So I sold it to the buyer, I think for 56,000 or 60,000. So I can't remember. And uh, the mortgage payments are really low. They're, they're only $625. And the buyer had to give me, I believe she put down $13,500. So I bought it for $24. She gave me $13,500. So now I'm only in it for approximately $10,000, whatever, give or take. And um, the mortgage loan term is it was for seven years or eight years i'm sorry guys i don't remember exact numbers here but i believe it was for seven or eight years so this girl was going to own this house outright in uh, less than eight years okay her mortgage payment is only 625 bucks okay she she put down thirteen thousand five hundred dollars she has to pay the taxes on the house and she has to pay for the insurance on the house so those are the stipulations she, you know, gets to have, and she's, uh, faithfully paying down her loan, by the way, if you know, you want an update, this is, uh, I think she was 20 years old or 19 or 20 years old when she got this house. Um, I seller financed it to her. So I said to her, listen, this can be a great opportunity for you for in the future. You could still turn around, go to a bank, get another mortgage loan, and then you can rent this house out if you want to, you know, so th this house is going to lead you to become most likely an investor at the very minimum, you know, it's helping her to not be so strapped with cost of living because, you know, I don't know, like you guys listening all over the States or whatever, you know, what's going on with rents. So the fact that this house, uh, we negotiated terms for her to be at 625 of a mortgage payment, you know, it's a, she's already very grateful for that alone. The interest rate on this loan is 0%. I did not charge her any interest for this loan. It is a very simple uh, loan. She put a large down payment. She has done updates to the house. Um, in the event that she wants to walk away from, from this deal, I would buy the house back from her. She would lose some money, but uh, I would buy it back from her and she can walk away. I don't have to, you know, persecute her in any way. There's not going to be, it's not going to affect her credit in any way. Uh, there's really, it's a win-win for everybody. I made money without doing anything to this house. And, you know, she's, I'm sure the house now is pr today and day, the house is probably worth like 60 or 70. So, you know, she's already doing well. She already has equity in it. Should she want to go to the bank and get a loan for it? She can. That's fine too. Um, and we did close at an attorney's office 
and uh, it was all in all a really good experience and I know this girl's going to pay this house off and I know that it's you know it's going to be really good for her um, and anything that's wrong with the house is not my problem I'm not a landlord she has to fix it herself there's, there's a roof leak that's on her there's you know HVAC breaks down that's on her it's not my problem all I did was finance a house to her and I didn't touch the house so really it's a win-win like that but this particular deal was and so I just want to give you an example of that. Uh, if I were to do a rent to own, I have considered doing them. I haven't found the right tenant for a rent to own. Um, part, one part, because I don't want to get rid of the houses, the other houses that I'm renting, I don't want to get rid of them. So I don't want to run the risk that they're actually going to buy the house because I don't want to get rid of it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if I did a rent to own, Guys, it's important to understand the difference between the rent to own and the lease option contracts because when you do these contracts, the seller has to, there still has to be some ethics behind it, okay? Um, because there's actually a law that was passed about it. So if your credit score is like a 400 and you have like a bankruptcy and you can't hold a job, you don't have any stable income, you know, some landlords, unfortunately, uh, property owners, they're predatory in the way that they do business. So they'll lure you in to, you know, and convince you like you can be a homeowner, this, that, and the other. When in reality, if your finances are in such bad shape, you shouldn't be buying a house. Okay. So if, if I did a rent to own or a lease option, I'm still going to do enough background check and finance check and everything to say, well, in the future, you should be able to go to the bank and get a loan. Maybe you're not ready for that right this second, but in three years, four years, five years, you should be able to qualify for a bank loan. And if you will not qualify for a bank loan, I have no business in financing this house to you because chances are it's going to put you underwater. It's going to put you in a worse financial uh, place. And ethically, it's just a wrong thing to do. So um, you guys can actually can look up this law. Let me see if I can find the name of it really quick, because um, that is important to note. So depending on what state you're in, different states have different statutes regarding rent to own contract or lease option contracts. So it's important to know that uh, at least 47 states have laws regulating rent to own transactions. Okay, so you need to look up your state specific laws regarding rent to own contracts. When you're reading the contract that the seller is trying, if you're the buyer in this case, when you're reading the contract that the seller is trying to sell you, you know, you, you need to also do your research or hire a lawyer that'll do the research uh, to kind of compare it against state the, your state laws for rent to own or lease option contracts. The other thing that um, you might want to look into is it's a rental act, uh, rental purchase act, and it'll define the terms of the agreement. So it also includes consumer protection provisions. Um, and that's where when I said, you know, if you have a really low like 400 credit score and like you're not financially stable, then the seller shouldn't be selling you this house. And it's part of the protections, not only for you as a buyer, but for the seller too, because you don't want to enter into a contract that seem uh, predatory. And what I mean by that is, for example, say you have a $100,000 house and they're trying to finance it to you through uh, lease option, rent to own, whichever type. 
So because they're doing rent to own, they're legally, they can't charge you more than two and a quarter times what the house could be sold for. So if on the market, the house could only be sold for a hundred grand, then they're not allowed to charge you 300 grand just because they're doing seller financing. That is predatory. So you also want to look into that. Now, like I said, as a seller, when you're doing a seller finance deal, you're going to make more money because you're acting as the bank. So you're able to charge interest on this loan. That money goes to you uh, and you are able to charge a little bit more than what you could probably list it for on the MLS. So going back to the same example, if you could only list this house for a hundred grand on the MLS, then you might be able to get away with charging 125, 130 or 140 for the sale of the house. And you're able to charge interest on top of that. Again, the interest has to be kind of the norm. So if they at the bank, they're doing 6% interest right now, then you cannot charge 10% interest. That's predatory. You don't want to get into that. Um, and again, these, these statutes, these provisions, they're in place for the protection of both parties. The other thing that you want to look out for in these contracts, I know I keep throwing the contract out there, but that's really the most important part of this whole deal is the contract. The contracts, uh, also have to have quite a bit of information in them. Okay. The contracts have to have, uh, the names of both parties. It has to have the address. It has to have how you're going to pay for it. Um, there has to be uh, protections in there, like the Truth and Lending Act, Equal Credit Opportunity Act, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, and the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Not that they're going to report your payments, although they totally could. Um, but again, at the end of this contract deal, whenever you're... you're lease expires, you want to make sure that you can actually buy this thing. So the seller has to take this into consideration. Uh, you know, I, I went over the, the benefits of renting to own transactions. There's numerous benefits. There's also downfalls. So you really want to want to be careful. Um, now, you want to look into your state laws for it. I've mentioned that um, and you also want to keep in touch with what's going at the Congress level because they are trying to pass laws at the Congress level to protect, like I said, the buyers, um, because there are some, you know, some, some bad people out there. They're trying to take advantage of, of you. Um, and they're trying to take advantage of, of the fact that maybe you don't know that much information. So for example, interest rates, you know, they need to be capped. So right now I think there's like an 8% interest rate cap. So if it's somebody's trying to sell you this house and they want 10% interest, you need to walk away or you need to tell them, no, you can't charge me 10% interest, you know, um, or no, you can't charge me 200 grand on a house. That's only a hundred grand. Like the, those things are predatory. Okay. So in the contract, it has to have information on there. Like I said, names of parties, addresses, everything that would be in a regular standard lease agreement. It also has to have in there the number of payments that are necessary to pay off the property. It has to have in there the down payment that you will give. Um, it has to have in there the due date of the payments. It has to have the terms of the payment. Uh, like for example, are the payments monthly? Are they bi-weekly? How are, how are you paying? When are you expected to pay? It has to have um, a statement that uh, that you won't legally own the property until all the payments are made. That's really important. So it has to have statements in there that are very clear, very defined. 
Also, the seller has to provide you at least once a year with like your balance, your, your payoff. So they have to provide you like some type of payoff statement at least once a year, usually at the end of the year, like, Hey, you know, this is how far along you are in your payments. Um, there's going to be another statement in there that you don't legally own the property yet. Uh, there's going to be, well, and that depends if you're doing flat out lease option, or if you're doing uh, seller finance, depending on the contract. Um, there has to be a line in there of the actual money that you're going to pay for this house. Okay. So just like when we go to the bank and we get a regular mortgage from the bank, you know, they're going to give me a disclosure and it says, you know, you're going to pay this amount of money if it takes you 30 years to pay off your mortgage. All right. So that contract has to have that information in there as well. And, uh, it's also going to have information about the house, the age of the house, you know, the, uh, whether it's brick or siding or whatever the case may be, it's, you know, you need to have some information on the house as well. And uh, it's probably going to have some insurance information in there somewhere for you to show proof of insurance. And then there's going to be information on there on foreclosure. If you don't pay, how does the seller get the house back? That information is really important because it's not at this point, it's not a standard eviction. It's a different procedure. So that information needs to be in there too. Okay. So if you don't make a payment one month, what happens? If you don't make a payment for three months, what happens? Okay. So that information needs to be in there too. To recap, you know, again, seller finance and rent to own and lease option, these ways of getting a house there, it's really good. Again, for people that maybe right now, right this second or in the next year, in the next two years, you don't qualify to go to the bank and get a loan. Uh, it's also a great deal for sellers. Sellers can make a really good amount of money owner financing their properties. Uh, and if you are ethical in your dealings, you can also feel really good about, you know, seller financing to, to a family or to a person. Like I feel really good about the deal that I did with, with my young lady that bought my house. Um, so it can be really lucrative for sellers and it can be extremely beneficial for buyers. Um, but again, read the contract with a fine tooth comb and hire a lawyer to do the transaction. Do not engage in a private transaction with any seller or any buyer under any circumstance. Go to an attorney's office and do this closing at an attorney's office. And if you have any more questions about seller financing or, or, you know, rent to own or whatever, send me a quick message I'm on Facebook, Instagram, email me, flipbyher at gmail.com, go on my website, whatever. I'd be happy to answer any other questions. And if I don't know the answer right away, I'll research and then I'll tell you the answer anyway. So uh, till next time, guys, thanks for listening. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode and feel inspired to go out there and kick ass. For some of you, that might just mean that you're going to get out of your own head. You're going to put your goals on paper and you're going to take a step today. No dejes para mañana lo que puedes hacer hoy. Don't leave it for tomorrow. Do it today. Lastly, I encourage you to follow me on my Facebook page at Flip by Her or go on my website, flippedbyher.com. Send me your messages. What questions do you have that I might feature on a next episode? See you soon.